0: Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I have with me today Greg Kessman, who is Senior Director of Customer-Facing Supply Chain at Nestle. And we met nine years ago. And um, I prophesied that he would stay here. And his wife from California thought I was wrong. But they did. They stayed here. Do you like it? We do. We do. And I do
1: remember when you... uh when we met, it was over a lunch and we shared uh, stories about our family. Uh, and uh, when, when you know, we're leaving, you said, I predict you're gonna wanna stay here. I went home and told my wife that story and she thought you were crazy. Uh, so, but you know, here we are nine years later, uh, it's a great place to live, great place to raise a family. But, um, and I think a few other speakers have talked about this today. It's a great place to network, particularly in supply chain. The density of talent that you have here uh, between the suppliers, the retailers, uh, uh, transportation companies is tremendous. You probably don't have it anywhere else in the com- uh, country. So, and the fact that you can, I can pick up the phone anytime and call someone in a particular area and they'll return the call and we can meet over coffee or discuss any issues uh, within the supply chain is tremendous. I mean, and, that's, and that was a surprise for me
0: for staying in this area. Well, you know, it's interesting. We're talking today, of course, about designing a resilient, a reliable supply chain that's both agile and resilient. And I actually think that network adds to the reliability of the supply chain, right? Because if you've got lots of people you can call on, it gives you an advantage in that way. And a great diversity of types of functions. So in fact, I think many people here um, don't know. So you're a senior director of customer facing supply chain. What is customer facing supply chain management?
1: Yeah, a lot of people ask that question. Uh, It is a part of supply chain that isn't traditional. It's not the demand planning, uh, supply planning functions or transportation management and distribution management, but it is uh, the part that's uh, responsible for ensuring the products that flow from our network. So from our manufacturing facilities and our distribution centers into our customer network. And we wanna make sure that we do that efficiently as possible as reliably as possible um, and ensuring that we meet our customer standards. And you know, a lot of people here have heard of the on-time and full standards. So we're the function that's uh, ensuring that our company meets that standards to the, or those standards to the customer. Um, ultimately, we want to make sure that the product's available in-store or online when the consumers want to purchase it. Uh, that, that's really uh, our goal. Uh, you know, It's a shame if a consumer has the intention of buy, purchasing your product, and we have many great brands. Uh, But they go and it's not available, right? So we want to make sure that we have the most efficient supply chain, uh, cost-effective supply chain, but get to that uh, service level goal of of meeting our consumer's
0: demand. So uh, we're talking about a reliable supply chain that's resilient and agile. Um, Obviously, everyone's interested in this right now because of the pandemic. But let's back up for a minute. Let's talk about some of the trends that were occurring before the pandemic that also leading to this
1: yeah so uh and i think some of the speakers spoke on this today too it's uh, we, we focused a lot on planning uh so and I, I i'm traditionally a demand planner so that's where i started uh in my career at nestle and you know we had a lot of great software and data to help us demand, uh, in demand planning um and, and really achieved some great accuracy numbers with that uh, we also did customer planning uh, supply planning, manufacturing planning, and supplier planning. So in each one of those areas, we became a lot more efficient because of the accuracy of the plan. Uh, a lot of that efficiency uh, was realized in inventory reductions, which unlocked working capital, allowed us to reinvest that capital back in the company, also allowed us to be more profitable. We, we had really high return on invested capital in, in that time frame because, because of this planning process and the data that we were able to achieve with it. Um, it was very siloed, though, right? It was very, very siloed, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think what we're learning today is, you know, the, the you know the siloed nature of our own manufacturing network
0: versus the customer network is really was a blind spot. Well, you know, um, I've always thought we underestimated the cost of lost sales and the cost of stockouts. You know, there's always this trade-off between service and cost, but one of, I mean, yeah, transportation costs, you can estimate clearly, inventory carrying costs. But the cost of lost sales and the cost of being out of stock is one of those really difficult ones. Because, you know, at the store level, if someone comes into the store and you're out of stock, they may just switch to another product, they may go to another store, they may never come back to that store. But at different parts in the supply chain the stockouts in the and the out of stock situations can drive all kinds of expediting costs and uncertainty um, and um, you know now we see a lot of change. we see a lot of attempts to invest in inventory to reposition inventory what What are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i think uh it's, it, it's a key trade off right so um, we understand the cost to uh, uh, of our business, of you know, the transportation side, to produce our products, to store the inventory. Um, it's that uncertainty on the service side, right? Like how do you get to 97%, 99% product availability? Uh, that's the part that uh, I think we often take for granted. Uh, it's a very difficult equation to manage. You, you can obviously carry more inventory to help us achieve that right now because of the manufacturing infrastructure and you know, just the distribution infrastructure too it's difficult to carry that much inventory. So we have to do it uh, more seamlessly. So, uh, you know, one thing that you brought up is the importance of that first move uh, of you know, deploying product from our factory, right? So that is something that you know, through uh, you know, software and, and through better planning, we're looking at you know, how do we move that product from our factory into the right distribution center the first time. It's always a goal for us, right? You never wanna move things twice, but it's, even, it's ever more important now because if you miss it this time, you're gonna be out of stock somewhere, uh, uh, particularly with the inventory level. So, um, you know, I think what we're learning from a company is service is far more valuable than we had had, had thought before the uh, pandemic. And we're prioritizing a lot more in a lot of our decision-making.
0: You know, um, it seems like everyone tries to solve uncertainty with more data. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, um, sh- sure, sure. Like. Uh,
1: you, you, I think you hope to find the answer in the data, right? So sometimes you're looking at a problem or you're looking at you know, you know, something that we're looking at right now is how do we forecast the future uh, when we typically use time series models? So shipments or orders that predicted future shipments and orders. And that was great for 20 years. Uh, you know, like I said, I was in demand planning. That really, we were really successful at using just that data because inherent in that data was, trend uh, that we could use to project in the future, uh, inherent in that data was seasonality, uh, whether it's you know, baking products that you, you, know, you know, sell in the fall and the winter seasons, uh, those, those, those patterns typically repeat themselves. But what we uh, have, have since learned is, you know, we, we have a whole new set of consumers that have uh, tried our products, hopefully like our products, um, and those patterns may not carry in the future. So we're looking for other insights, whether it's on the consumer side and uh, understand our consumers better and how that's going to impact their purchase behaviors. You know, some of it's coming from our customer systems too, but we're bringing that in uh, to, help our, uh, you know, to help that uncertainty. So I'd say, yeah, we, we're looking for the data. I can't say that we necessarily know the answer if we're successful with that yet or not, but certainly that, that's going to help us. Uh, we, we feel it's going to help us manage that uncertainty over the next couple of years.
0: You know, um, there always is an effort to try to resolve uncertainty, but there's also a base level of uh, probability, a probability distribution that you can't you can't model. Um, and you know, we've talked about before the difference between uncertainty and equivocality, where uncertainty can be reduced with data and information, but equivocality can't. Um, you know, in some cases, you're looking at data that is really based on some unusual behavior like the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like we're seeing a lot of that in our systems.
1: We are, we are. By the way, that felt like a, a professor asked me the question there. So that, was, <laughs> that felt very, uh, like, like I was back in college. So uh, yeah, but that was, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, the, uh, the uncertainty that we're seeing now is something that we've never experienced before, right? So uh, you know, how, you know, I can't confidently say that we're bringing the data, right data in, uh, you know, we're working more closely with our customers every day to understand what they're seeing too, because they're seeing the same thing on their side. Uh, particularly as we manage through the, uh, you know, the the backside of the pandemic and coming out of it, and how consumer behavior is going to change, how shopping behavior is going to change, whether they're going to continue to purchase online, get back in the store, go back to the restaurants. You know, so so that's these are all insights that we can gain from our customers too. So we're we're trying to pull it all together, but. But yeah, like back to your college level, I think that was a PhD level question. I think, uh, I don't know how I did on that, but yeah, hopefully I did all right.
0: Well, you know, if you think about um, a customer facing team, that is a way to reduce equivocality because you could not have a customer facing team and just take all the data and send it upstream. But it's like the, the role of the customer facing supply chain group to resolve the equivocality that can't be resolved with the, with the data. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit? Yeah, I think,
1: uh, well, you know, inherent in working closely with the customer is setting the expectations too, right? So, you know, you know, how do we, you know, you may not know the right answer, but if you can partner with uh, the customer, you can partner anywhere in your supply chain, whether your, your carrier base and you know, your, your transportation providers. Um, but, you know, essentially, if you can partner with the customers, set the right expectations, plan with them, I, I think you're going to get to a better outcome. Right? It may not completely solve the uncertainty, right? Uh, but it, it, you, know, you can certainly get to a better outcome. At least there's an expectation set amongst both parties uh, if you do that.
0: Are there other priorities you can share that can be used to reduce or improve reliability?
1: I mean, I think we're seeing a lot in uh, automation in our warehouse. So, uh, in pre-pandemic, the automation in the warehouse was you know, it was a cost savings exercise. It was you know, uh, you know basically to you know bring uh, you know bring the cost down and, and operating a uh, distribution operation. But uh, you know what we're seeing now is that that's a way to improve our reliability. It requires a little bit more planning uh, the throughput through the distribution center, but it's extremely reliable. You know, our our uh, LGVs and RGVs are always uh, available. They're always moving product between our warehouses. Our automatic layer and picking systems are working all the time. They don't call in sick. They don't have, you know, we might have an occasional unplanned downtime, but we were able to, uh, you know, provide some redundancy around that too. So, uh, you know, when you get back to this theme of resilience and reliability, I think automation is the key. And, you know, we talked about warehousing, but also in transportation too. Automation and transportation can certainly help the reliability between shipping products between two lanes.
0: Well, thank you, Greg, for taking time to visit with us about this. We're about out of time. So uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good job. Good job, you.